0: Well, if you have your Bibles this evening, I'm going to give you a few passages of Scripture, but let us turn to Mark chapter number 3, if you would. Mark chapter number 3, going to give you three verses there, and then we will flip back over to Matthew chapter number 28. The Lord would help us for a few moments tonight. I won't keep you long. I'll just keep you till we're done, because I know some of you, right now, your mind is already past this Setting, and you are already thinking about a corn dog at the fair, or an elephant ear, or a funnel cake. And somebody done told me that they was going to go try. I haven't said I've never heard of this. Was it a red velvet? See, see, I told you somebody already there. Yes, somebody already been there and tasted and seen that it was good. I guess I don't know. I guess I'm missing out on something. So, is it? Y'all don't talk about the scripture that way. Y'all over there whispering. Everybody's like, oh, this is good. Obviously, your pastor's not loved because nobody's brought me one if it's that good. But no, come on now. So is it an elephant ear or a funnel cake? What am I supposed to buy tonight when I get there? All right. Oh, (laughs) it just keeps getting worse. My wife's done had it. Didn't even tell me anything about it. Lord Jesus, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now, well, praise the Lord. How do I recover from that? I don't know. But so I'll get you out when we get done and you can go have you another one, I guess, if you've not. But if you haven't had one, I guess I'm pitching for somebody up there. It's going to make a lot of money tonight. Go get you one, I guess. So, But uh, Mark chapter number three. Verse number, you might want to edit this part of the video there, okay? (laughs) By the way, hello everybody on live stream. If you're in Fayette County, I guess go get you a red velvet elephant ear. I don't know. But now we're going to eat of the word of the Lord. And it's going to be better than that red velvet elephant ear if the Lord anoints us. Or funnel cake, I guess. See, I'm all messed up. Funnel cake. All right. No matter what it is. Uh, Well, praise the Lord. Laughter is like a medicine, right? And if we can't laugh, there's something wrong with us. It's good to have laughter in the house of the Lord. But uh, Mark chapter number three, verse number 13 through verse number 15. And then we will turn to uh, Matthew 28 and read just a couple of verses. Talking about Jesus, and he simply says these words, and he goeth up into a mountain, and he calleth unto him whom he would. Means this, that he handpicked some people all right he handpicked those that he would and they came unto him and he ordained 12 that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach tell your neighbor say he sent them and this is why he sent them forth to preach he sent them to preach the gospel but notice what he did he didn't send them empty-handed but it says and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out devils. Now, Matthew chapter number 28, we find in verse number 18 through verse number 20, Jesus is speaking. This is after the resurrection. He has sent word for his disciples to go before him into Galilee that they would see him there. And upon coming into their presence, They were amazed, they was astonished, and some doubted at what they were seeing, but this is what he said to them. The first thing that he's really speaking to them after his resurrection, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. For a few moments tonight, we're going to look at these passages, of Scripture, as a, from a foundation, and build upon it, if the Lord would help us, on fulfilling our Purpose, Fulfilling our purpose. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to be back in your house on this Sunday evening. We thank you for your presence. And Lord, I pray that you would anoint this vessel as I stand in this most holy place and I teach and preach your word tonight to your precious people. I pray that I would decrease so that you could increase. And I pray that we would hear and that we would respond in our spirit and in our lives in the manner that would bring you glory and honor in Jesus' name. And the church says, amen. Amen. Thank you for honoring the word of the Lord this evening. Fulfilling our purpose. A.W. Tozer made this statement. The purpose of God isn't to save us from hell. The purpose of God is to make us like Christ. May I give that to us again? This evening, the purpose of God isn't to save us from hell. The purpose of God is to make us like Christ. Says the following evil by its very nature opposes the purposes of God, but God in his sovereignty can make even this evil serve his purposes. Mr. Begg simply says this, there is no one insignificant in the purposes of God. I want to say tonight that every one of you under the sound of my voice, you have a purpose. I am not talking about being purpose driven, but I am talking about you and I walking in a manner of where we are fulfilling the purpose that God has ordained us to fulfill. Here is something that we should all hear and remember. Stanley Jones made this statement, prayer is aligning ourselves with the purposes of God. It is not an uncommon thing for us to hear individuals say the following, I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. I think every one of us has been there. But these words, as I have studied, and as I have spent time alone with the Lord these last many years, I have come to understand, and this, I do not intend to sound harsh, but these words should never be uttered from the lips of men and women of faith. Because we have received clear instructions in God's word concerning what we are to do and what we are to be about doesn't mean it's always easy doesn't mean that we always have all the answers but it means this there is one thing that should be our focus and that is fulfilling the commission that God has given us Matthew 28 is often referred to as the great commission and you've heard me teach and preach on that I'm not going to do that again tonight But it's something that's very near and dear to my heart, but you will find that there is over 65%, nearly 70% of individuals that identify as Christians in the United States of America that is faithfully attending a church that says they have never heard that phrase, the Great Commission. Please hear me. Very few know what Matthew 28 is really, truly about. Our subject today is something that we can not ignore, but it's something that you and I must understand today is of great importance because in this great commission, there is two things that is given to us. There is a direction to go, but not just go. It is to go, but then to make. How many knows it's important if you're going to make something to know what you got to make? Disciples is something that has to be made. We know this, that when you look at Matthew 28, it tells us that all power is given unto him in heaven and earth, tells us that we are to go and we are to teach all nations. Now this is quite the task, one might say. However, we see the one who has asked this of us is also the one that has equipped us. And therefore, history shows us that this task is able to be accomplished. He's not asking us to do something that has not yet been done. But when you get to the book of Acts, you have to understand that the book of Acts is just that. It is the acts of the apostles and what they did in their ministry life. Meaning this, it is kind of a catalog of events that they experienced in their life. And therefore, we find that the early church, after the day of Pentecost, if you go to Acts chapter 14, I believe it is, and around verse 21, you will find that it simply says this, that they had went into a specific city, and they preached the gospel, it doesn't stop there, but then they taught them, and after teaching them, they then returned to their respected places, Can I tell you, it's not enough for us just to go give somebody the gospel. But if we're going to give somebody the gospel, it is then our responsibility to also to help develop them, not just teach them or not just to share the good news with them, but to show them and to lead them in how to walk in this good news. Now, the call to disciple all nations is basically a call to teach and to train All nations and all people discipleship is simply it can be said this way is that which takes place after the gospel has been released and after it's been accepted you cannot disciple somebody that will not accept Christ nor can you disciple somebody that says I have accepted Christ but yet they still continue to live in a rebellious manner concerning the words of God there has to be a yielding and a submitting to the will of God and the purpose of God and the word of God in our lives and you and I today find ourselves in a place where we are witnessing and we are exposed not just in this nation but the nations of the world of what it looks like when there is a failure to disciple. We find that nations are being overran by darkness today because there is a lack of discipleship. Now we must realize that our responsibility goes far beyond just sharing this glorious gospel. But it is our responsibility, our duty to lead others into a manner where they are living this thing out, not occasionally, but continually. The great commission to the church, as I said a moment ago, was to go and to make. I have to ask us this question. How many people are we discipling in this moment? You will not find in scripture where that is the responsibility of a pastor or an evangelist or a teacher or a prophet or an apostle and say that's only in that five group. No, no, no. It is our responsibility and I'll show you through scripture tonight that every man, every woman of the faith is to reproduce. God is a God of multiplication. As scary as this may sound and as afraid as I am to say this because I know some of you in this room very well, there should be a lot of many yous running around. <laughs> I, I, I know that that's really scares some of you, but can I tell you, there should be spiritual sons and daughters following every believer that has been a believer for any length of time at all. But here is the challenge. There has been multiple studies done, and you will find in some of the largest denominations and organizations that even focus largely on evangelism and things of that nature. Statistics show us that nearly 99% of their people in their denominations will never lead anybody to the Lord. But what I'm talking about is even going further than just leading somebody to the Lord. I'm talking about leading somebody to the Lord but then doing life with that individual. You know why there was a Timothy? Is because there was a Paul. You know why there was an Elisha? Is because there was an Elijah. You know why there was a Joshua? Is because there was a Moses. Please hear me. You and I have great responsibility, and I know this is a little more teaching tonight for a Sunday night, but please hear me. We have to answer this question, what is a disciple? In order to understand this full implication in God's word concerning discipleship, it is necessary for you and I tonight to understand the meaning of this simple word. You will find that the word disciple is only mentioned one time in the Old Testament of your Bible. It's in Isaiah chapter 8, and I believe it's verse number 16. And it's in reference to a prophetic utterance concerning Jesus to come in the future. But when you get into the New Testament of your Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those four books is considered the Gospels. In those four books of your Bible, you will find that the word disciple or discipleship is mentioned 240 times. You will find when you get to the book of Acts, it is mentioned only 26 times. But after the book of Acts, throughout the epistles, that's what the rest of the the books are in the New Testament, you will not find the word discipleship mentioned or disciple mentioned. The reason for that is because a disciple automatically becomes part of the church. You start seeing the word church used throughout the epistles of the New Testament. Why do I say that? Is because we must understand this. The word disciple is this it means a taught or trained one, it means a learner, a pupil, it means someone that is committed to following another. If you look at it in the Webster Dictionary, you will find that it is a pupil or a follower of a teacher. Or a school or a program. Can I tell you tonight what we're talking about is this that there is a lack and there is a great need right now for discipleship within the body of Christ. And why is that? Is because, can I tell you, somebody has to show you how to do something. Now we understand that the Holy Spirit has been given. And he is to be our teacher. He is to be our equipper. He is to be the one that is empower us. Uh, He is the one that brings edification to us. But also, the Holy Spirit is the one the Bible tells us very clearly. Jesus is speaking, and he simply says, it's important that I go away so that he will come. And when he comes, he will lead you in all truth, meaning he will disciple you. He will take you into a place, and he will show you things that was and is and is to come. Meaning this, God wants his children to be informed. But I have to ask the question, what vehicle does the Holy Spirit operate or flow through? It's not a building, but the Holy Spirit comes and lives and dwells in the lives of men. So if the Holy Spirit is going to be the one that develops and trains and teach, it means this, he is going to operate through the vehicle that he he uses, and that's people. So you and I have a responsibility to show a generation that we've given birth to how to walk this thing out. It's not about telling them stories of yesterday. I'm not against that, and I'm thankful for the stories of yesterday. But can I tell you, our children are not going to experience the power of God by just hearing a story. They're going to experience the power of God when we begin to live this thing out before them and begin to train them and teach them how they should operate in it. Y'all are quiet tonight. In order for one to be discipled, however, they must be submitted or would be willing to submit to instructions, meaning this, that they must embrace discipline. One of the reasons that there is a lack of discipleship is, number one, there's a spirit of rebellion against it, and number two is because of the simple fact men and women have failed to understand the importance of it. Listen, we got to share the good news. Yes, we do. But at the same time, uh, we've got to make sure that we are teaching a generation how to operate and to move in the things of God. Paul simply told Timothy before he passed, he simply said this, I want to remind you of that which I know that you have because I remember the day that you received the impartation that you did. But also he did not just lay hands on him and say, Timothy, you got it, and then walk away. But he then brought Timothy alongside him and he walked with him. He mentored him. He groomed him. He taught him saying this, Timothy, this is how you're supposed to do it. Timothy, this is how you have to be sensitive. Uh, This is how you have to get to a place where you've been directed by the Holy Spirit of God. What am I saying today Uh, is there is a generation uh, that is not only not fulfilling their purpose, they don't even know what their purpose is. But I want to tell you and I, tonight, our purpose is very simple. It is to go and it is to teach and to impart into others. And tonight, I've got to ask you, uh, is there a desire, is there a burning passion uh, for others to know who Jesus is in your life? You see, you and I today need to understand uh, that if we are going to disciple somebody, it means this, there has to be training involved. Uh, There has to be submission involved to authority. There has to be orderly conduct. uh, And there has to be a testimony uh, that what you're saying is evident in your life. Listen, as I shared with you this morning, uh, in my spirit, there is a disruption uh, on one side, but in the other side, there is a spirit of expectancy because I know God's about to do something uh, that's getting ready to just blow the minds of the religious people of our day. Uh, And I want you to understand tonight uh, that there is a responsibility uh, that has been given to you and I. You have heard me say this multiple times. Uh, My daddy and Irvin Steele and many others, we could mention that we all know and love, uh, they will not come back and lead this thing Uh, but you and I that are sitting in this house tonight that has surrendered our life to the Lord, uh, that mantle has been given to you and I uh, and it is our responsibility don't you talk about a generation uh, that doesn't know what the Holy Spirit is if you're not going to show them what the Holy Spirit is. Uh, Don't don't criticize them uh, for being so distracted uh, when you're not willing to take them by the hand and say come into the presence of God with me. Uh, Listen uh, you and I have a responsibility Responsibility to disciple. Uh, listen uh, every day, dearly, that I have the privilege of having my grandson with me. I'm tell- I'm showing him something new every day. Uh, why, uh, especially at this season? Uh, listen, I teach him uh, how to praise the Lord along with uh, the rest of his family. Uh, but at the same time, I'm out every day. Tomorrow, he' gonna be with me. You know what he's gonna do tomorrow? Uh, Many him gonna be using a chainsaw. Uh, he' gonna be two years old and he's gonna be pulling. Uh, he's gonna be pulling logs to the fire. Uh, he' gonna be on a lawnmower. and he going to love it. Why? Uh, It's because he's training. uh, He's been developed. I'm showing him how to participate. uh, I'm showing him how to work with his hands. uh, I'm showing him that an honest day's work uh, is still something to be valued. uh, But at the same time, uh, even greater than that, it is our responsibility as grandparents and parents uh, to not tell him he needs to serve the Lord. uh, But it's our responsibility to disciple him uh, and to mold him and to make him uh, have an appetite uh, and a passion uh, for the things of God. Uh, I want him to have such an appetite for God uh, that he says, I'm going to miss ball practice today uh, because there's something happening at the church uh, and i got to be in the presence of God. Uh, Listen, uh, somebody's got to change the narrative. Uh, Don't you criticize. uh, Oh, it's this, it's this. No. uh, Listen, uh, listen, I'll probably even help coach his baseball team, uh, but at the same time I'm gonna run him to the house of God and say you can do it and you can experience it for yourself because he's got a purpose You hear me, he has a purpose just like you have a purpose. His purpose is to reach his generation uh, with the glorious gospel, uh, but his purpose is more than that. Uh, His purpose is also to disciple his generation uh, and the generation that he gives birth to, uh, to go into the presence of God uh, and to dispel darkness. Uh, Can I tell you, God appointed people uh, that gave them power over evil. Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. They'll take care of your funnel cake or whatever it is. Just, just stay with me for a few moments. Fulfilling our purpose cannot be ignored. Well, I just don't know why we're not having a revival. I just don't know why we're not doing this. I just don't know why we're not doing that. I'll tell you why we're not doing it, because you're too lazy. Oh, I'm just going to make everybody a mad day and that's not my intent. Not doing it on purpose. Don't shoot the messenger. Please hear me. But when we start getting into this thing called disciples, the first thing that begins to just blurt off the pages, and this isn't my words, so you can't, I just have to deliver these words. But when you go to Luke chapter 14, it says, If any man come to me, if anybody came to Jesus and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, and yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. You say, that's harsh. Now listen now, verse 27, and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Verse 28, for which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient funds to finish it. Lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold, it began to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or he says, Or what king, before he goes and makes war against another king, does it sit down first and say, You know what? I've got 10,000, but I think he may have 20,000. Can I beat him with 10 or can I not? If I don't think I can win, I'm not going to go lose any lives. But if I think I can win, I'm going to go for it. Don't matter how many he has. Or if I don't think I can beat him, am I not going to send somebody to go out and negotiate and maybe have come to a peace agreement of some sort before we even take to the battlefield? Listen, this is in your Bible. Verse 32 says, "Or else while the other is yet a great way off, does he not send this messenger for the conditions of peace? In verse 33, so likewise, whosoever he be of you, get this now. Whoever that bees of us, that forsake not all that he hath, cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land, nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that hath the ears to hear, let him hear. You say, what does this even really mean, preacher? It means this. It simply means that unless somebody's willing to forsake everything, unless we're not willing to give it everything, he says, you you can't be my disciple. Here's a reality that we have lost. The Lord is not interested in dating you. He is only interested in marriage. He is not interested in just weekend visitations. But he is only interested in dwelling permanently with you and you with him. And he's saying, if you're not all in, he said, you can't be with me. What am I talking about tonight? What does it really mean to be a disciple? Number one, you and I must count the cost. And we have to ask ourselves the question, am I willing to pay the cost? Am I willing to pay the price? because if any man will come after me, let him do these three things. And I sincerely believe that this is where we're failing. We are not teaching men and women these three things. We are continually hearing in the American culture within the church world, that if you will come to the house of God and if you'll do A, B, and C, then God is going to radically do everything and listen, God wants you to be blessed. I am not speaking ill of that whatsoever. We are blessed. But you will not hear in the American church today that the Lord is telling you to deny yourself. What has been spewed from the platforms of the American church world is that it's all about you and your comfort and your desire It's all about your wants. It's all about you living your best life now. It's all about this, 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 and this. But your Bible says that if you're going to be a follower of me, you're going to have to deny yourself. Denial of self is not the last thing, but it's the first step. It is an indispensable condition of discipleship. In order for us to ever disciple somebody else to follow Jesus, you and I first have to live a life where they see and they witness that you and I have denied self. Meaning this, that they witness when they see you and I, they see a life that is sold out and committed to the purposes of God. I was just having a conversation with a couple of young men. We're saying one thing, but our lives is a testimony against us. You'll stay up till 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. I say you. I use that as a blanket statement. I'm not signaling anyone out, but I'm just saying this. You and I, the church world around us, We'll stay up till 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning and still get up and go to our respected places of work. But if we don't go to bed by 10 o'clock on Saturday night, we're too tired to get up and go to the house of God on Sunday morning. And our children witness us stay up half the night doing something that's really not even of great value. And they see us run and give every ounce of our energy and I'm, I'm saying we should give of ourselves in our business and even to the people that we work for and what have you. But we send a message that this is important, this is valuable, this is responsibility, this is what you've got to do. But yet we send a total different message because we tell them we love Jesus, but then they hear us say, well, we're just not going to go today because we're too tired. We're not going to go because, well, this is going on and we just really don't. We, and, and here's one of the other things that is just really, 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 really happening all across. Well, we understand what they're wanting to do, but yet at the same time, I just don't think that'll ever happen. And plus, those people they got coming right now, that's, they, they're not really my cup of tea. And then we just, we crucify men and women of God in their presence. And then we wonder why they don't have an appetite for it. Because they've never witnessed true discipleship. Fulfilling our purpose only begins and is only completed when, first of all, we deny ourselves. Secondly, is this, and I'm trying to hurry tonight, is that we make up a decision, make up in our mind that we take up our cross. Salvation is us acknowledging that he took up his cross. But discipleship and teaching others is that we show them that we then take up our cross. I want to ask you today where's your cross? What do you mean by that? Where's your gift? Where's your talent? Where's the burden that God put on your heart? It, w- are you carrying that thing? And are you taking it to everywhere you go? Or, are you, or have you just said, I'm going to lay my cross down because I've got this five-year plan. And I'm going to do this, this, and this. And then I'll be positioned. to, Then I'll be able to operate. And then I'll be able. But the Lord says, if you don't, if you don't deny yourself and pick up your cross, you're not worthy of me. Notice, take up your cross simply means this, that you become willing and ready to die at any time. A cross always points to the fact that a person would be crucified, it's always been an instrument of death. When a generation sees you carrying your cross, what they're really being able to be visible is this. You know what? They're willing to die for this thing at any given time. I want to ask you tonight, this salvation that you and I have, this way of life that we have, this experience that we have with God, I know this may seem a little heavy tonight, but the question is, are you willing to die for it? You know why we have it today is because men and women have died for it. Over and over and over and over and over. And it's still alive today because somebody was willing to die for it to stay alive. Think about it. But if you and I, you say, oh, it's really not that important. Can I tell you that what's happening right now? In the last couple of weeks, it's just become to light. Do you know that right now in China, the Communist Party has men rewriting the Bible? and they're taking key words out of it and they're writing it from a dictator standpoint and they are going to try their best to remove every original Bible from their land and they are going to begin to allow this Chinese Bible to be circulated among their people. And can I tell you, that Bible is not the authentic word of God. It is a corrupted word and it is simply propaganding men and women to believe something that is not true. Can I tell you, somebody's got to fulfill their purpose. There is men and women, please hear me, even after all of these years, it is going to require men and women to still. And I know this may get some of you out it, but listen, you do what you got to do when you're in certain things. You have to go in and be willing to stuff your suitcase full of the authentic word of God and get on a plane and know this. That God is able to make those immigration workers and those security forces be blinded to what you have in your presence, and you can take them in and take the authentic word to the people of God. You say you have lost your mind. But in the incident that he didn't completely blind them, I still have my cross, and I must be willing to die in that moment. You say you are too radical for me tonight, preacher. Can I tell you, I am trying to be as biblical as I can, because here's the deal. Unless we deny ourselves and to pick up our cross, you and I can never truly disciple a generation. And then thirdly is this, fulfilling our purpose. We have to deny, we have to pick up our cross, and then we have to follow him. Who are we following tonight? Are we following tradition? Are we following what is convenient for us? Or are we following the true, authentic Word of God? This may surprise some of you tonight, but if Ron was doing what Ron wanted to do, Ron wouldn't be doing what Ron's doing. And it's not that I don't enjoy what I do, but this is not the plot that I had for my life. This is not what I envisioned. This is not the path that I was taking. But you have to come back to Ephesians 5 and it simply says this, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. Then Paul goes a little further and writes this in 1 Corinthians 11, 1. Be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. He's simply saying this, listen, I'm not leading you, but Christ is leading me. So now I need you to follow me because then we're going to get to where God wants us to be. Can I tell you, there are those of you that have children that are not just little, but now they're in early teenage years and some just now into that place where they're driving. and They've been in the automobile with you for 15 years, 16 years, 17 years. They've sat in the back seat of that thing with you. You've taken them to Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Kentucky, and every place else. And they say, man, that's, well, I know where that's at. I know where that's at. But then you give them their driver's license, give them the car, and then tell them, I need you to go to Richmond and pick something up for me. They say this, I don't know how to get there. You've been there 500 times. I don't know how to get there. Here's what they say. I've never drove there before. Huh. And how many knows this? You can sit in the passenger seat even as an adult and be so distracted talking about everything. and be somewhere 50 times, but then you get there and say you have to call or use your GPS and say, you know what, I know I've been there 50 times, but I've never drove it. I never paid attention. I don't know what road I'm supposed to turn on. It's one thing to set in the presence. It's another thing to teach somebody how to operate in the presence. It's one thing to sit in the car and go to somewhere. It's another thing to drive that car somewhere. Here's the thing. I had a friend. He's in heaven now. He simply made this statement. He said, Ron, he said, if somebody's around you that can do something, 80% as good of what you're doing right now. He said, let them do it because there was a time you couldn't do it 80% well either. But what we have done in the church world, please hear me, and I know this is a little more teaching and different tonight, is we have this mindset, and this is one of my pet peeves, and I see it in every nation that I've ever been in, is that there is those in adulthood and in leadership, and that it should be discipling that simply says, well, that is the church of tomorrow. But can I tell you, there will be no church tomorrow unless you allow them to be the church today. You could not expect them to know what to do unless you disciple them when they're in your presence. And the only way they're going to know what to do, the only way they're going to know how to operate in the anointing, the only way they know how to operate in the Spirit is if somebody teaches them how to do it right now. So you have to deny yourself, you have to pick up your cross, and then you have to follow God, but at the same time you're following him, you tell those babies all around you and those young adults all around you, and even those in the middle age that comes to God late in life, you still have to bring them around you and say, you know what, come and follow me, I'm going to show you what this thing's about. And that's not been prideful, but it's understanding that I have been given a responsibility. I have a purpose. I have a purpose to walk in a manner that is pleasing to God, yes. But I also have a purpose to tell the world the good news. uh, But that is not where my purpose stops. My purpose is also is to create others to walk and live in this thing. So here's my question to you tonight. How many disciples do you have? Here's what I want to say. Don't get hung up on this simple fact because I'm going to tell you something. If you start making disciples, you will have a Judas. You will be betrayed. You will be lied on. You will be hurt. And this is what happens Well, bless God, I did it and they did that to me. I'm done. I'm not letting nobody else get close to me. Can I tell you, you are out of the will of God and you are living in a rebellious spirit and God will never bless you. Don't you laugh at me. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. You're laughing because I'm hitting close to home to some of you because you didn't know that I was listening to your conversations in the spirit realm. I'm gonna tell you something. I've been around the block a little bit. I've seen things. And guess what? I've had my Judases. But I refuse to not disciple a generation because I understand what my purpose is. My purpose. My purpose is for somebody to come along behind me. And they be more anointed, more talented more gifted, more in tune with the Spirit. Listen, no matter what story I get to build to, whether it be the fifth story or the 15th story, whatever, I do not want to set to a place where things have become a rubble and have this generation have to begin at ground zero again. But I got to disciple this young group of people. I have to disciple this young adult group. Uh, I have to disciple the Gavins of, uh, of this house. I have to disciple along with all of you. I have to disciple them and tell them, you know what? You are a mighty man of God. You are a mighty woman of God. You are going to do exploits. Uh, you're going to do greater. Uh, you're going to do what God has birthed in your heart to do. Uh, you're going to preach the gospel, you're going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to recover. Uh, You're going to walk with all power, not some power, but all power, uh, because the Lord says I have all power in heaven and in earth. Uh, And he says I've given those that I choose, I give power uh, so that they can walk in authority over sickness, disease, and over every principality and every evil. Uh, Can I tell you, this thing is not going to go out on a crutch. Uh, This thing is not just going to limp out uh, and say, oh, we made it to eternity. No. But when the church leaves this earth, we are going to go out in glory. We're going to go out in power. And we're going to go out in authority. Because there is some that is still discipling others. But this house needs to be a house that begins to give birth to spiritual sons and daughters. Not that just comes and sits. But begins to operate under the authority and the power of God. You know what I want to see? I don't want a big name preacher What I want is a 10-year-old boy to lay hands on somebody and see cancer dried up. I want to see somebody walk in on crutches, lame on their feet, and a five-year-old say, I believe my God can do anything, and lay hands, and they begin to shout at the presence of God. What am I talking about? I'm talking about discipling a generation to be mighty men and women of God. As they come to the music tonight, I'm closing. The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Luke chapter number six, verse 40. What am I talking about? What I'm talking about is this, that we understand that it is in Christ and through Christ that we're able to walk in the realm that he walked in where signs and wonders began to follow and a generation began to be touched. But I'm not bringing you a false reality tonight. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, man, you come follow me and follow Jesus, that there'll never be any lack in your life. No, I'm not going to say that. Because there's lean seasons, but then there's seasons of prosperity. That's why in the seasons of prosperity you got to use wisdom and knowledge. So in the lean season, you still have more than enough than what you need. That's another thing that's not been taught. But Jesus was passing one day. I want to leave you with this. In Luke chapter 9, 57 through 62. It says it come to pass, and as they're taking a walk, they're on their way. A certain man come running up to Jesus and said, Lord, I will follow thee. Wherever you go, I'll follow you. Notice what Jesus said. He said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the son of man hath not no place to lay his head. Then he said to another, standing there, he said, follow me. And notice, he said, Lord, suffer me. Or if we use modern day language, Lord, give me a moment. Let me go and bury my father. And then I'll come and I'll follow you. But Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. But you go and preach the kingdom. What he's simply saying is you can't be distracted. And then another said, Lord... I'll follow you. But first, let me just go bid farewell to those back at the house. And Jesus simply said this, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Can I tell you, it doesn't doesn't serve well when people begin to look over their shoulder there's nothing to go back to but everything that we're about is in front of us many people have repented but they are not disciples and because they're not disciples their future very well possibly could be uncertain. Salvation is the accepting the work of his cross and oh, how we're so grateful for it. But in order for us to walk in a manner that's pleasing to the Lord, you and I must take up our cross. His cross, please hear me, is the substitute for our sins but our cross is our identification simply saying that we're willing to die with him and we're willing to die for him Matthew 16 24 and 25 Jesus turns to his disciples he says if any man will come after me let him deny himself Let him take up his cross and let him follow me. What's this really mean? What this means is this, that as we shared this morning, there's deception, there's reality, and there's eternity. And there's a world today. that is overwhelmed and there is a church that's sitting silent. If you were to read one of the letters to the seven churches of Asia Minor, you would hear these words. He said, "I, I know all that you've done, but yet I still have somewhat of something against you because you've left your first love. What he was simply saying is this, you've you've committed to me. You even began to follow me. But you began to look over your shoulder at other things. You become distracted. There's nothing to look back to. Tonight, we need men and women. Number one, to become willing to be discipled so that they can then disciple others. So I'm asking you tonight, can you, can I, with all honesty, simply say this? I have, and I currently am, denying myself and picking up my cross and following Jesus with no condition. Repeatedly through the years, and even in recent time, I've heard these words Preacher, I would, but I would, but I'm gonna tell you something. There would have never been a D.L. Moody if it wasn't for a man that said, I need to get through to this boy and went and seen him when he was inside a little bitty shoe store and just had a one-on-one with him and began to talk to him. But because somebody was willing to be a disciple, the world had the opportunity to experience a young man fulfill his purpose that touched untold hundreds of thousands and millions of people and still touching today even after his death. There would have never been please hear me Doesn't matter whether you like them or not, don't matter to me, but I just know that these men have touched the world, made an impact for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't say I endorse everything that they've all done. But there would never been a Rod Parsley if there had not been a Lester Summerall. And there would have never been a Lester Summerall unless, please hear me, there was a Smith Wigglesworth. There would have never been a Billy Graham. If there hadn't been about a dozen of men that said, we need a move of God, that came to the Billy Graham farm for a prayer meeting and began to cry out and say, God, raise up somebody. We're intelligent enough in this room to know that we need a change in our nation. We're intelligent enough in this room to know that we need changes in our families. And we're intelligent enough to know that we need a change in our churches this doesn't just happen it happens when a man or a woman says I'll deny myself I'll pick up my cross and I'll follow you Jesus listen I've been getting ready to get on airplanes before and I know people meant well but I've had people come up to tell me the night before you better not go Something bad gonna happen to you. I'm still here because they didn't understand. I'm gonna tell you something, it's not about pleasing people, but it's about following what God puts in your heart. It's about walking with purity, being authentic. People say you're crazy, that's all right. Willing, as long as I'm able, as long as he's still talking, I'll continue. People said, Aren't you worried? No, not worried. When they told us we can get you into Turkey, but we don't know if we can get you out, it's all right. I don't feel like God's done with us yet. Are you sure, preacher? Are you sure? It's not because I'm fearless no 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 I'm human I've had some unnerving experiences in my life even within the United States I've had some unnerving experiences in my life but can I tell you I made a decision I'm going to deny myself I'm going to follow him and I'm going to walk with my cross as long as I have breath I'm not asking you to do something that I'm not trying to do. I don't do it perfectly, but I'm not asking you to do something that I'm not doing. That would be very hypocritical. But tonight I'm asking you, will you, nobody can do it for you, but will you make the decision to deny yourself, to pick up your cross and to follow him? As I shared this morning, it's an exciting way to live. You will be misunderstood. You may have to operate in faith at a whole different level than you ever have. But you'll find out that he never fails you. And he never leaves you. As we stand all over the house this evening. I recently read a quote I may butcher it but it's something like this the quote is this there will not necessarily be regrets for what you did accomplish but there will be lots of regrets for what you did not try to accomplish oh but it's bigger than me preacher it's supposed to be oh it's beyond me it's supposed to be If it wasn't, it wouldn't be of having to walk this thing in called faith. Listen, it's okay. You don't have to have all the answers. You just have to be willing to take that step. And then after that, take that step. And then take that step. And then take that step. That's why it's called a walk of faith. Tonight, I want you to fulfill your purpose. How do you fulfill your purpose? number one allow the word of the Lord to disciple you so that then you can begin to disciple others God has blessed us with giftings and talents all different manners so that we can use those gifts and talents to touch the lives of others and disciple them to trust God and to walk with God and to experience God. So will you use everything that's at your disposal for the advancing of his kingdom and quit worrying about building your kingdom? It's amazing. It's amazing how free it is when you realize this, that you don't own anything. But you're just a steward of a few things. Over the last several years, I have walked into homes, nursing facilities, and hospitals. And I've placed some of the most wealthiest people around us in our area on cots and carried them out of morgues and homes and hospital rooms and took them to a funeral home. Dressed them and prepared their bodies and laid them out for display for people to walk by and pay their final respects. And I've also walked into some of the most vile, dirty, broken, porous situations and carried those individuals out in the same manner, prepared their bodies. Laid them out so people could walk by and bid them a final farewell. And I'll tell you this, both groups left the same way. When they left, they left everything. Whether they'd built a kingdom here or not, didn't matter. It was all left. So can I tell you, when you understand it's not about those things, it's about him and what he's called us to you and I we're the church we're the church of Jesus Christ and we're called to go to all nations to teach and to train to develop to create a generation to follow after us that can take this gospel so tonight I challenge you. So challenge myself. Allow the Holy Spirit to disciple us so that we can disciple others. As they just begin to sing this course right now, if any time this teaching or this message has touched your heart and you say, you know what, I've led other things in my way. I love the Lord, but I know. My priorities hasn't been what they should have been at times. Our reversal and our changing always begins at a place of repentance. And we say, Father, forgive us. And sometimes it's just good for us just to stand or kneel in his presence and say. You say, is it really important? I received a message through Messenger yesterday very sincere question not someone in this church but someone in this community that I know sent me a message and said Pastor Russell my wife asked me a question today and I don't know how to answer it can you answer it for me she asked me if I have to if if I'm going to pray to God do I have to do I have to be on my knees for him to hear my prayer This wasn't a kid, but this was a 60, 65 year old individual that I know very well. That individual has sat in this church and nearly every other church in this community has sat under some of the most profound preachers in our area, but yet has no understanding. And I'm not saying that in a derogatory manner because they sincerely ask for an answer did not have the ability to answer his wife's question is do I have to be on my knees in order for God to hear me when I pray? We need to disciple some people. They've seen us run. They've seen us shout. But yet they still don't know. people again somebody's please don't take this out of context but somebody's going to have to park the boat for the weekend and just love on people I know it's not common but You got to get out of this mindset. Well, we will just go to church with somebody on Sunday, and that'll be enough. No, what about Monday through Saturday? In the midst of their struggle, in the midst of their not knowing, in the midst of when the enemy's coming in and trying to destroy, and yet they feel like they're all alone. But but if somebody was there to teach them, and show them, and develop them, listen. I know they come in, and their kids might be wild. They may pull your they may pull your bla, uh, your, your 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 curtains off the window. They that they may throw your pillows in the floor, and it may be your favorite pillow. It there may be Kool-Aid on the on the floor, and they may not pick up after themselves. And, and, and but it don't matter. But it's about discipling somebody. It's about doing life with somebody. It's about telling somebody they can make it. I'm not trying to be long tonight, but. When was the last time you had your unsaved family at your house for dinner? But yet you say, oh, I want them to serve Jesus. But when was the last time you just gave them four hours? I know you worked all week. I know you're tired and you don't really want to entertain people, but wouldn't it be worth it if they was in your presence and they saw you? in a manner they've never saw you before, somebody that's just sold out and denying self and carrying that cross and just walking with the love of Christ. They say, man, what's wrong with you? You're different. They never see your difference if they're never in your presence. I wonder if anybody in this room is willing to do what he's singing. I'm not talking about salvation today, but I'm talking about going to that next level. I'm talking about going to that next place that God has for us. I'm saying, God, I'm going to surrender everything. If that's you tonight, right now, before we do anything else, before we go anywhere else, before we go and get you, get your red velvet, whatever it is. Can you take three minutes and maybe step out of your seat and maybe kneel or stand in the front of this building and say, God, I'm just going to give myself to you one more time. And God, if you'll disciple me, I'll disciple others. Pastor Jay here. I just want to thank you for watching the service with us today and being a part of it. We ask that you stay in touch with us. Follow us on all of our social media platforms. And we'll see you again soon. We love you. So does God.